We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. It is November 7th, Thursday afternoon, and Dave Benz from Fox Sports North is in here making, I don't know, you just kind of come and go time to time. It's not a semi-regular appearance on the pod. Semi-regular, yes. I, I, that's uh, probably an apt way to describe it. Yes, you were in Memphis last night, you just tell me before this. A little delay getting into town. Part of the rigors of the NBA, man. Nobody. I, whenever Jim brings it up on the broadcast, it's uh, our producers always quick to get in our ear and say first world problems and nobody <laughs> cares. But uh, it's you said it's like two a.m. All right, so you get into like two a.m. Yeah, and it's. I mean, as much as I care about you, I'm more thinking about it from like the players' right perspective, sure, right? Sure. Like there, and I don't. Did you listen to the? It was like Chris Paul and JJ Redick, like. They did a pod last year. Maybe we even talked about this on the last podcast, but that just really opened up my eyes to these guys are like forcing themselves to take sleeping pills and stuff to just to be able to get like some legit rest. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it it's rigorous. There's no question. And everybody thinks about, oh, you're flying on a charter and you're staying at great hotels. And all of that is true. And the travel is as easy as you could possibly want it to be. Mm-hmm. But you're still traveling. You're still getting places late, and you're still subject to, I mean, last night, I think there was a mechanical issue, and, and so that's why the plane, we ended up getting on the plane in Memphis, and we sat there for an hour before the plane even moved. And, you know, it's uh, so instead of getting home at, we were supposed to be back at 1230, instead of getting home at 1230, you're, you know, touching down at 140, and now by the time you get you're getting your car and you're driving, you're, you're leaving the airport, it's almost 2 a.m. I, I used to think... It was complete bogus of the whole like, oh, everyone's complaining, whether it's players or whoever complaining about it. 
But in the limited amount of you know times or the trips I've done, particularly when it's like a one game sort of trip where you're you're getting there, you got shoot around in the morning, you maybe go back to your hotel, catch a nap, game, and then you're out of there right away again. I mean, for me, I'm leaving the next morning, but it's like I'm exhausted from like a one game road trip because it is the travel and it's just kind of the like I don't know overload of. I'm in a game, even if you're not playing in it, it's like the, the lights and everything. You got to be on for you for like whatever, two and a half hours. Like, right. I, I could, I do see now that the fatigue of it all is real. It, uh, there's no question the fatigue is real. Just getting, just getting up and down. And, you know, and that's kind of like when Jim and I talk on the air about the one game homestands. You know, that's real too because the, the one game homestands play like a road trip that yeah. plays like a road game. And, and to be honest with you, I, the one game homestand is worse than being on the road in my mind. Of course, you know, this, this, you also have to factor in, you know, people that are going home to their wife and their kids. They want to get home to be able to yeah. see them. But in some ways, that can also even make it harder because when you're on the road, you land, your transportation and your ground transportation is pretty much taken care of for you. Um, you know, it, it, everything is laid out for you. You don't have distractions sure. of, okay, I need to worry about getting my, my kids kid to or school yeah. or, you know, my, my wife is not happy that I've been gone. And now, so it's almost, it, there's nothing like being home, but you'd rather be home for three or four when you can settle in versus, right. Hey, I'm here for one. I'm doing my laundry and now I'm going back to the airport <laughs> again. Right, right, right. You want to be like super dad. Or whatever for for that amount of time you drop the kid off, pick him up from school, and you're tired. I I wonder how much I'm sure Vegas has that like all calculated into their uh, point spreads and that point, sort of thing. Yeah, right? that's crazy. Um, Memphis game last night. We were just kind of talking about before. It was obviously you look at the, the schedule in the West, and the West has no easy teams. But if you you know if you're stacking them up, Memphis is young. You're putting Me- that one in the wind column. You're putting that one in the wind column. Um, I think it, it was a, they, they didn't they certainly didn't play to the level that we'd seen them play in the non Milwaukee Philadelphia games right and so I think it becomes the way I'm watching that game I'm like this is off w- why you know what what are the what are the reasons that they're not playing the way they did and I kind of I came back to two things cat I think obviously was showing some rust of a week off I think that was a factor. And then the point guard situation. And I know a lot of people are up and down on Jeff Teague and you know what his, his value is, even though he's been pretty good this year. But I think it was, I was talking to another coworker here. When you don't have your point guards, it's kind of like starting a backup quarterback in football, right? There's just, there's, you got a smaller playbook. The point guard is the connection to the head coach. And to not have that, I think you're just, you're operating at 80% efficiency, and that's kind of what I was seeing last night. I don't think there's any question. And, you know, you can't slight Jordan McLaughlin coming in and trying to do what he can do. And, you know, you, you try and switch the starting lineup, maybe put the ball in Jared Culver's hands a little bit more. And That went well. And, and, and well, he did play well. Yeah. Culver, I, you know, and I, I'd like to see more of that. But at the end of the day, you are taking out your two – your top two point guards out of the out of the equation, and and Jeff Teague is a polarizing point guard. But it, when Jeff Teague is on, yeah, 
that offense clicks and Jeff T can't be on if he's not even on the court or not even on the trip. And Shabazz has played pretty well. Sure. The, the shooting hasn't been where you would like it to be. And I'm sure that his his numbers are going to level out because, he, he, you know, it's he's got a pretty good body of work and he's been a good shooter his whole career. And I know Ryan has talked about that. I mean, he hasn't been a great shooter, but he's yeah, been solid. a solid shooter. And um, you, you take those two guys out and, and you know, it's, it, it's tough. Plus, in some ways, it, don't get me wrong. No question, they're a better team with with Cat on the floor. But you basically went, you know, four or five days without having Cat around. You played two games without him, so there's a little bit of an adjustment to getting Cat back into the the mix as well. And the adjustment for him, as you mentioned, trying to get a little bit of the rust off after having to skip those games. So I think it was just kind of it was one just of those kind of weird, perfect right? storms where everything kind of came up. And hey, let's not. Discount Memphis, they they played well, and they're better than I thought. And they and and well, and they made an abnormally for them amount of uh, three pointers. Dylan like, Brooks, they are they are they're not that good of a three point shooting team. And last night, they what did they they hit almost half of them right? What did they finish at last night? I, I don't even remember something like that. I didn't yeah. see. I didn't see what it. They were around fifty percent. I mean, it was crazy. Brooks, what did Brooks have like six or seven? I mean, I don't know. He was, yeah, it's. Particularly in this NBA where you have teams shooting so many more of those, that if a team is going to shoot a volume of threes and make 45-50% of them, I mean, that's just an uphill battle that you have to go against. And you're going to run into nights where that's going to happen in the league. And you're also hoping you're going to run into nights where it's going to happen for you. Sure. And and then you're going to be in a better position to win a game as well. So, uh, you know, you just don't want – you don't – if it's an outlier, that's fine. You can chalk it up to, hey, they had a good shooting night. 52%. Yeah. If it's if it's not an outlier, if it becomes a pattern, then mm-hmm. it's disconcerting. That's true. And, and the three-point defense has been – for the Wolves has been somewhat problematic this year. And um, I don't remember, it was John or Britt were asking Ryan about that at practice the other day. And I, I think it's always hard to like judge, all right, are we, are we defending the three-point line poorly or are they just making them? You know, when you don't really have that sample size, when we've got seven games now, it's it's like, did have they just, have we just been facing some good luck of the, of the opponent making them? Or are we doing something defensively, Different. That. Well, it wasn't a strong suit last year either, but I, it's a new group of guys and it's a new system. So yeah, I don't know. But how much wouldn't you say really that this year, like the connectivity of the defensive group has been like, I mean, it was just such blatant breakdowns for open threes last year. Whereas That's true. This I think year it's, it's been better this year. I, I, I would say too. So I, if I'm guessing forecasting, I think that whatever their overall three point percentage against is, I think that comes down and if the Wolves are counteracting that with their own three-point volume and able to kind of bring that up some too, like, that is reason for... How, how many did Memphis finish with last night total made? 12. 12. They're actually only 12 of 23. 23 isn't that many, but right. just to But the to fact make. that they hit 12 out of the 23, that's, yeah. And for them, they they were in the second half against Houston, their game before, they were 3 of 25. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, you know, it, 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 it's just, hey, it's sometimes it's just the way it goes. So the... We mentioned the Jarrett Culver adjustment, which I think is is worth touching on because that looked well or looked like he was more comfortable in that role. And and then also they played two bigs together. You guys mentioned that on the broadcast last night. And what I guess I'm curious to monitor going forward, was that a product of being, um, you know, short players that they decided to play Culver at point more? Was it a product of being short players that they decided to play Noel Vonley and Cat next to each other? 
Or is that something that they're acknowledging of like, yeah, we probably got to put the ball in Jarrett's hands a little bit more because he's comfortable. We're getting beat up on the glass for the season. We probably got to play Noah Vonley and Cat together at least some. I mean, that's been something I've been saying on this podcast, particularly following the Philadelphia and Milwaukee games is like, I understand the system. You want to you wanna play fast. You want to spread it out. But if you're getting, I mean, the Philadelphia game was 12 to 32 on the glass, right? In the, like the first half before, or before Cat got knocked out. At some point you got to go, well, we love our system, but tonight it's not working. Yeah, I don't think that that last part is is going to be what happens, though. I mean, based, based upon my yeah. impressions of what I've seen, I think, you know, sink or swim, I think that they're going to stick to what the system is. And I, I, I know that ultimately what Ryan wants to have happen is he wants things to be working well enough with their system that the sure. other team has to adjust. And so... You know, I, I, I never say never. I mean, are there exceptions to the rule? Could there be times that, you know, we see see some variances? Sure. I'm saying like four or five but, minutes a game. But, well, I, but I, I, you know, and that's possible. And the only person that knows the answer to that is Ryan. But, yeah. but ultimately, you know, and going back to the Philly game, uh, you know, I know that there was a feeling that, hey, if they had come, if the Timberwolves had come out and hit some shots early, then maybe it's Brett Brown that has to make an adjustment sure. versus, you know, versus people hindsight saying, oh, well, why didn't the Timberwolves make an adjustment? So I think that they're, for the most part, they're going to stick to what they're doing and they're going to try to, you know, try to sink or swim with this thing and obviously try to swim. And there's going to be nights that, that they're going to sink. Um, but I think that everybody's got the big picture in mind sure. now. And I agree with that. That that make that absolutely makes sense to me. Like you're you're creating a bl- blueprint. Not just Absolutely. for the next 75 games, but for the next four to five years, right? Like, that's the, that's the idea. And there's, and there's no doubt everybody in the organization wants to win and win as soon as possible. And if that means that they're able to be in the playoff mix this year, that would be fantastic. But at the same time, I don't think anybody's disillusioned to not realize that there is a yep. gap between the top teams and where this team is at. And, and that's a goal where this team wants to get to. And so that getting to that goal ultimately in the big picture, you know, that that is more precedent than, hey, maybe if we do play some bigs, we can steal a couple wins here and we can sneak in and get the eight seed. It's you know, that's that's not the priority. That's totally fair. And I I I do agree with it. I guess just for me, I can I can get caught up in the moment and being like, well, Robert Covington's struggling to rebound against Al Horford or whatever it may be. And it's it's hard to I guess it's hard to keep sometimes the big picture in mind when you care about what's going on. Right, you're seeing what's going on right in front of you. Exactly. And you feel like this could be better. This could be done differently. Exactly. Um, I got a couple of questions I put out on, or people gave for us on Twitter. I'm going to sprinkle in over the the course of this. And I think we can't get too far into this without bringing up Andrew and what he's been able to, what he did. I, I, I think... It's going to get kind of buried in the that it was a loss to Milwaukee and a loss to Memphis, but I I can't I can't remember a two game stretch of Wiggins's career that I feel better about the way he's playing, the way he looks, like the way he's carrying himself, and the effectiveness of the you know the the shots he's taking. Obviously, made a huge deal about about the the shot selection Ryan, Ryan has, and I mean, necessarily so, but what the, what uh, Lex, Lex Drury says, is it too early to get our hopes up that this increased percentage of threes slash at the rim shots for Wiggins is really happening? 
I don't think it's too early. I think that it's, and I think it's only going to become more profound. Uh, it's clearly what the coaching staff wants. It's what they're working with Andrew on. And we still see Andrew every once in a while take a long two that early in the shot clock, but that's becoming less and less. Yeah. And uh, he knows now what his role needs to be and what they want him to be. And it, he's, he's, I give Andrew a ton of credit. He's clearly working on it to make that adjustment. And he, we've seen him step back behind the three-point line a few times when sure. he could have taken some twos. And, and last night, the other thing he did last night was he was passing the basketball, which was nice to see um, because that, that has been an area that's been lacking. And I think he's been rebounding his position better. Um, I just think he's more engaged. And, you know, yeah. Jim brought it up on the broadcast last night. You know, he's not a kid anymore. I mean, Andrew at this point, I like that. he's in his sixth year. He's a father. And, you know, he, he is a full-grown man at this point. And he, I think, is, you know, starting to realize that there are, um, you know, that, that there are responsibilities that, that come with that and come with being a more mature player. And that means coming to the office every day and trying to work on the things that maybe you've struggled at. And I, I, I give him a lot of credit because I think he's, he's gained ground in those areas. Absolutely. And if you would have... If you'd have told me two months ago that Andrew Wiggins has changed his shot selection in the way that he has and seems to be as openly buying into that idea, like he he's on board with this from everything that I can gather. If you'd have told me that two months ago, I would have said, wow, that will be a major development for not just him, but the fu- the trajectory of where... This team can go. So hasn't been perfect. No, you brought it up. I think it will get a little bit bigger. I was looking it up right before you got here. Um, 35% of his shots have been from beyond the arc, and 20% of them have been in that mid-range. And those numbers were exactly flopped last year, whereas 35% mid-range, 20% from beyond the line. And that, I mean, it's not as simple or as basic as the numbers of us pulling up his shot chart every single game. You mentioned the facilitation and the the being able to be an overall positive contributor, but there have not been games this year where you go, I think Andrew might be actively hurting the team this year. I, I haven't, I haven't really certainly not for, well, you, for a four the, quarter the, run. The, the only game you could say that in was through three quarters in Brooklyn. And then in the he fourth quarter in overtime, yep. he, he was a, a huge reason why the Timberwolves went out of there with the win. It, it's, it is interesting though. And every time I find myself getting a little excited or like believing in this, I do put a little bit of caution to the notion of whether it was the first Jimmy year. Remember, he was shooting a bunch of threes and he was shooting them at a high rate. And then that kind of and then he kind of fell back into old habits once the three ball started not going down as much. Could that happen again? Sure. I think, though, what you have with Ryan and the entire coaching staff is someone who's going to apply a little bit more consistent pressure to that over the course of the year. If he has a five game run where he's being ineffective or taking shots that they don't like, I think they'll hold them a little bit more accountable. You think that's fair to say? I totally agree. That's I, I don't think it's not, and not only do you think it's fair, I think it's accurate. Right. So, uh, I mean, Gerson has said as much. Yeah. Like, there are expectations. Yeah. So there, there are expectations and as well, there should be, you, you know, Andrew is a, a max player and the Timberwolves sure. to this point, uh, up until recently have not gotten a max return on that investment. And, Yes, but it, as you said, the last couple of games, the the big thing, though, is, you know, and I, t- I talked a few minutes ago about the big picture. But at the same time, 
you just want there to be enough success so there's positive reinforcement so the, that you know somebody like Andrew can feel like yeah I can see how this is going to help us be a winning team you know versus I don't understand why I'm not pulling up from 18 feet and you know hitting right. a shot that I feel confident I can make regularly you know it's it, so so you want there to be enough wins for that reinforcement and that validation for sure the there has been it's been a different experience, I would say, and we can both attest to this as, as covering the team and the way we do in the interactions that we have with the, the coaches or the, the front office and the transparency that we've seen. I mean, they've been telling us this for two months now, and like I said two months ago, I wasn't necessarily believing it, but there has been a, a transparency to this is what we're going to do. They, they've been saying, I mean, I don't think they're giving away all their trade secrets or anything like that, but that that's different. And that's different for, for us, for you and I, and in, in our, our conversations we have with them. And one of the, one of the other questions, I thought this was a good one and you can, you can probably attest to this more because you've had, you've covered more coaches than I have. I've just had Tibbs and Ryan, but what, what uh, Matt Whelan says is how transparent should coaches be with the media versus keeping their IP in house? I believe Ryan's much more open than Tibbs was, but curious of, of the balance of keeping media engaged versus giving away too much of their IP. I think that some of it is paranoia. You know, I think that there is some validity to keeping your cards close to the close to the vest. So you have some strategic advantage. But at the end of the day, people are going to find things out. And, you know, I mean, we had a game last year where we were playing. uh, I'm not going to say specifics, but we were playing a team um, and one of the other team broadcasters came up to me and said, hey, I heard so-and-so is not playing for you guys tonight. And I had not heard anything about it, about mm-hmm. this player not playing. And then five minutes before tip-off, um, yeah, so-and-so is not playing tonight. And it was kind of like, wow. So despite the fact, and it, and it was still while Tibbs was here, despite the fact that Tibbs was trying to keep that fact close to the best it still got out and it got and i'm hearing about it from the other team broadcasters so i I, stuff is gonna get out and you can try to have strategic advantage but and one of the best um i've been covering sports for over 25 years now and i've covered every every league i've covered baseball and (laughs) pickleball (laughs) and baseball and football and hockey and um you know one of the one of the best coaches slash managers I've ever interacted with was Bruce Bochy. And, you know, he would tell you straight up. He'd be like, you know, he'd be like, hey, what's going on with Buster Posey? Ah, Buster, you know, he kind of banged his thumb up. Uh, foul tick last night. And, uh, yeah, we're going to give him today off. He's probably going to be off tomorrow, too. But they're, they're saying we think we're going to have him back on Saturday. And it's like, you know, yeah. it's like just so okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, why can't you just, why can't everybody do that? Yeah. Why do you just got to keep everything cloak and dagger? Um so I, I think transparency, and I, I love the fact that this organization is transparent, and I think it keeps the fans, I think fans feel more engaged, and they don't feel like they're being sold a bill of goods, and that things are disingenuous. So uh, I just, um, I, I think there's more to gain by being transparent and being open than there right. is to, to lose. And I do understand the not answering some questions. I mean, I've, as you're in those scrums or in your, your, and the cameras are on them, you know, I, I've caught myself asking something that is that I understand if if he would have if Ryan would have answered that question specifically, you might be giving, you know, the 
the other team an advantage of saying, hey, this is how we're going to defend the, sure, the three-point sure, line, or sure. this is how we're going to defend a pick-and-roll. Sure. And I go, yeah. But I, that's I more get, of a strategy thing. Exactly. Than like that, a, so that's what I'm saying. That's what yeah, the line they're, is. You're right. They're, you're right. Exactly. You're not going to go out and be like, hey, you know, we're going to, well, our first our first three plays tonight, we're going to try to, you yeah. know, we're going to try to run a horn set and see. Yeah. If, yeah I mean, you're not going to come out and right. do that. Yes. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, I... I appreciate the willingness to engage us who have lower basketball IQs than they do. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to learn. I mean, you and I, we didn't play in the NBA. Like we don't, we don't know all these things of how it comes together. And I think there is a faction of the fan base who is curious about, you know, some of those things, but there, you know, there's a line there. And I've said this numerous times on the pod. I I really appreciate that element um, from Ryan because I feel like I'm learning, at, you know, as a writer over over the course of you know this brief existence with him. It, it never ceases to amaze me, by the way, that there is always something that will come up at some point during the season, and and, and it's already come up once this year, and it may come up again. Uh, again, there's always something that comes up that I didn't know. Yeah, there's always some kind of a wrinkle, and you know. I think that probably I know more about the NBA and the way it works than the average person, but I don't know everything. Sure. And I, I I think very few people actually do. And, you know, in our game against Milwaukee the other night, I'd never seen a situation where at the end of the second quarter where there was the foul. And then so they call the foul point two and then they give continuation. It didn't matter that the ball was still in Giannis's hand when the clock went off. Like I'd never seen that come up mm-hmm. before. I never knew that that little right. variance in the rule. So now I know that. But I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, it, it's just how did you guys handle that? I, obviously, I'm, I was at the game, so I wasn't listening to you guys. Poorly. On the clock. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, I mean, I, I no seriously. Listen, hey, there are some things. There are some things that you know. There are some things that I like to think that we handled pretty well. You know. Well, they, we were all equally lost. Yeah. All, all of us at media row. I mean, the front. I mean, the front office that's right behind us too. They were trying to figure out, like, right. What, we're, what we're, exactly all, we're all we're all huddled up at, at halftime. Like, what just happened? Like, it right. Was, yeah, that was it. Was crazy. And um, you know, so I mean, I was trying to figure it out. And, and I, you know, I think, and clearly, Jim's basketball IQ is way higher than mine. But I think even he was a little bit lost because I saw them put the points on the board, and I said they're going to count the bucket. And Jim's like, no, they're not counting the bucket. And I'm like, and I just so I mean, it was not we. We were as confused as anybody else. So if you were watching that game and you were like, I don't understand what's going on, I am apologizing that I really didn't know what was going on either. So, but if that happens again, now I'll now I'll know. Well, you'll know. That that game has to be up there for you of just one of the most bizarre games you've ever covered or broadcasted. Well, you're talking about basket watch for an hour before we got started. Yeah, well, I again I that, that was, was just sitting there. Thank, thank goodness we were uh, able to have our pre and post game crew there, and they were able to vamp for a little bit too. Because that was, um, I mean, what do you do in that situation? You know, that was all, that was there, there, that was the third time now in my in my time with the Timberwolves that there's been an unusual thing happen. A couple of years ago, I think we, were floor, you at the, 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 the condensation? Yeah. The game got wiped out against mm-hmm. Portland, and uh, and then before that, my second year in the season when the team went to play in Mexico City and there was a fire in the arena oh, yeah. before the game and they ended up canceling that. We were all down in Mexico City and okay, everybody go home now. <laughs> I mean, that was uh, that was oh, yeah, that was an interesting uh, interesting time too. It was I it was kind of awkward being there at the stadium because what do you, you you can't 
prepare for rain delays. <laughs> Essentially, that's what it is, right? Like, right. You're, or, or you're not prepared for rain delays, and they. Well, you know, the one good thing, uh, if there was anything from a from a television perspective that that was helpful for us, is that it happened against Milwaukee. Because I don't know how many people, you know, that are, are aware of this, but Fox Sports North and Fox Sports Wisconsin mm-hmm. are like sister networks. They, sure. they, they're both operated for the most part out of just out of the offices here in Minneapolis. Um, I think there is like a satellite office in Milwaukee, but um, for the most part, everything is done uh, out of the offices here. And because there's such integration between the two. We had readily we had readily at our disposal. You know, Fox Sports Wisconsin had a feature on Giannis that was like three minutes or whatever. So it's like, okay, well, so right. we we grab that from them and throw that on our air. Um, you know, so we were basically doing whatever we could to tap dance and fill time in that situation. They did a pretty good job in stadium to I mean, those track the pack um, like mini documentaries. They've the one with Jared Culver was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've I thought they've all I mean, been. Yeah, the, the organization is clearly invested in in that department the team now has i'm saying this because that's what they played on the jumbo right right and the team now has um there is a a a team a staff videographer uh that goes on every road trip and and gets stuff for web and that is new i think last year might have been the first year that they were on every trip and um i mean it's been the, the, I mean, I was on the first trip. It was numerous people. I mean, yeah. no, no was there. Cody was. I mean, it's a it's a handful of yes. Of so people. it's so they really have you know, and I, I think everybody sees the value in that now. I mean, people want they need content. People want content. Um, so so that is a credit to the organization that they they're putting the resources to that. Yeah, I think it's uh, another like micro example of you know, the way that this organization is paying up for, you know, to whether it was to go by a president of basketball operations or a good assistant coach or, you know, or the the chefs. We were at the event in New York. Oh, fantastic. There's been there's been a handful of those things this year where that stuff isn't cheap or free at all. Certainly not free to to send a videographer on a trip. I mean, we know how much it costs to I mean, it's kind of a drop in the bucket of a multi-million dollar organization, but at the same time, it's like I don't think they're getting the direct return on YouTube ad revenue for whatever right. they're creating. Right. That. And it's I uh, I think that was just an area of this team that if we circle back, you know, but ten you know, years you, was you, bad. You, you know, you're also again you're in a situation where you're looking at the big picture. You know, you're yeah. you're increasing your footprint. And you're increasing your Q rating with with the fan base and maybe getting more fans. And ultimately, you're increasing the value of the organization. So you might not be getting your ad revenue back on YouTube, (laughs) but, you know, the valuations of the franchise keep going up. And that's because you're becoming more of a household name and becoming more integrated with the fans and their mindset. Well, and it's we're just in an interesting I mean, you know, an interesting place in media right now where it's it's not enough for any of us who are quote unquote content creators to be one thing, right? Like you gotta, it, it's too easily accessible for everyone. There's a, there's a hunger for people who want video on YouTube, who want radio, who want podcasts, who want the broadcast. I mean, think was it, I think we were talking about this last time where they've, the NBA has talked about having multiple different broadcasts, types of broadcasts. On well, the, they're already doing it in, uh, in Philly, because in Philadelphia or in Pennsylvania, there's legalized gambling, 
And so in Philly, and I don't know if they're doing it for just select games, but I know they did it for a couple last year, and I know that it was going to be an even more increased schedule this year, where they are actually, NBC Sports Philly is actually producing um, a, a secondary broadcast of some of their 76ers games. It's crazy. In which the the announcers are talking about gambling. So it's another play-by-play and another color guy. Yeah, but they're doing it from a studio, and they're okay. strictly talking about it from a wagering aspect. That's and, wild. And it's, um, you know, and, and there's a lot to digest there. Uh, and, and it's only going to become more prevalent as more and more states legalize gambling. And obviously, Adam Silver has been on the forefront of, you know, being progressive in that regard with the league and, and the direction the league is heading. Um, and, and I think that there could be there could come a day where there's and believe me, that petrifies me because, <laughs> I mean, it it, it 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 petrifies me in the sense that. I mean, I like being the TV voice of the Timberwolves, yeah. and I don't want that to get watered down. I'm sure there's people out there that are like, "Get them out of there! Let's get other <laughs> people in there." But, um, but you know, it's uh, it, it, there's some job security in knowing that if you want to watch the Timberwolves on TV locally, you're going to listen to me and Jim, and yeah, then all sure. of a sudden, if people have three or four options, you know, then yeah. then then that's uh, that certainly diminishes the value of our broadcast. I- as someone who similarly petrified by the just the, the constantly changing landscape, and I mean it's a little bit different from the writer perspective of what the athletic has added or all the sorts of these different ways. And I guess for me, I've just found peace in the notion that I know it's going to be different two years from now and different five years from now. I, I mean, and just being willing to kind of embrace that and and, and see where it goes because I think. For you guys, from a television perspective, like it is going to change. For some, I think there'll always be the play-by-play and the color guy. Like I don't think that's going to to go away. But when you talk about the way pregame and postgame is, I mean, I think largely what you guys are doing is what was done, you know, five years ago. And it's going to be interesting to see how demand evolves that. And I, in you know, just watching on League Pass and stuff, some of those the the NBC broadcasts are doing it a little bit differently. You know, it's not just a studio sort of pregame, postgame sort of thing, whether it's fanning. I think they're still figuring it out. I don't know if it's it's perfect, but involving different voices, involving different things. And it's, I don't know, I guess it's just sort of, it just sort of seems to be the nature of even step outside of sports, the way journalism is changing in today's world is it's just going to keep changing. Well, I will tell you first and foremost, though, you just used the word, like I, I, I don't consider myself a journalist and I, you know, it's, you're, you're clearly a journalist and you're great at what you do. I consider myself more of an entertainer, honestly. You know, it's, I'm putting on a TV show. I'm part of putting on a TV show to keep people entertained. And am I journaling what's happening during the course of the game? I am, but you know, I'm not, I'm not really, my goal isn't to be a journalist. You know, it's, it's about, I think it's about the way it's defined, the way we define journalists. And I, I think I think what a journalist today is about is being informed about the product. And to that extent, right. I would say you are because you, I mean, I see you all the time. You're having side conversations. You're in the media scrums. I'm in the media scrum that, that I am too. And you're, you're trying to load all this information into your brain so as to regurgitate it to your viewers. Right. right? right. And I'm essentially doing the, the same sort of thing. So yes, it's not, you're not getting pen and paper out and getting it printed in the newspaper. Right. But, but that's the biggest adjustment I see to it is, I mean, we're fortunate that this is our job. 
And so we have a 40, 50, 60 hour bandwidth of our life to become informed and produce content. Whereas a Timberwolves fan, they have their other job. They, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who like basketball, like the NBA, just as much as you and I do. But their time is whittled down by their other by, responsibilities. By, life, by but, their actual life. Exactly. Yes, so yeah. that that's what I see the the quote unquote duty of a journalist in today's world to be is to be more informed so as to inform others. And I think my broader point is we're figuring out how to best make that work. Right, right. Well, and it's, as you said, it, none of us know what it's going to become. None of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just got to be adaptable and you've got to be. NBA is in a pretty good spot, though. The NBA is in a really good spot because they're on the forefront of a lot of stuff. But, you know, and it, I think it's hard for it's just hard in life because, it, you know, we all get stuck in our habits. We all get stuck in our For ways. Sure. And, and you know, not just with work, but with everything we do. You know, I was actually just having a conversation with a friend of mine uh, just a couple of days ago about, you know, music. And it's like I, for years, have just been locked in on you know, this is what I like sure. and and not really expanding my horizons. And I'm kind of like, OK, so, you know, one of my friends has been sending me some playlists and sending me some different stuff. And I'm like, all right. I'm, and, I, and, and I'm like, OK, this is actually good stuff, you know, and yeah, it's you like just weren't exposing yourself to it. Before. I wasn't exposing myself yeah. to it before, you know, and I and now I'm like, OK, I need to take. And, and it was great because, you know, um, the message that I, I got from her was actually. I'm, I don't want to go grow old, and in order yeah. to in order to not grow old, I need to be adaptable, and I yeah. need to continue to. So, I think that that's just general in life, and it's general with our business. You've got to just be able to continue to be able to adapt and not be like this is this is how I've always done it, because then you're going to be out with the dinosaurs. Yes, I was adapt or die. That's just kind of how it works in in life. And I, I again, I think it leads to through adaptability in our life through breaking habits you get better. You, you present a better self, a better product, whatever it is. And it's funny, you bring up habits and Andrew Wiggins, that was my favorite. I think that's my favorite line Ryan's had the whole year was, um, was about Andrew. And he's like, well, he's a human just like anybody else. And he has habits he has to break just like you do, you know, just t- talking to us. And um, that's, that's the process he's, he's going through, but it's, it's applicable literally to all lines of work of like, yeah, you know what? Like fadeaway 16 footers, they did. That was fine. If that was a mainstay of your diet in 2004, like look at the NBA, turn on one of those games. A lot of those guys played like Andrew Wiggins, but we've now learned that there's a more efficient way to do it. So you just gotta, you just gotta adapt, adapt or die. Right. It's true. As you said, it's true. It's true in everything. Um, All right. Let's let rip through a couple more of these questions. I like this one. Just actually came in from Jake Painting. Uh, most interesting player you have met during your time with the Wolves? I'm assuming that we're gonna we're gonna keep it just to Timberwolves players, as opposed to you know, because I've interacted with a lot of the other people too. Man, there have been a lot of players. Um, most interesting. That's a great question. Um, you know, Roni Turioff was pretty interesting. Hmm. You know, he that was, was before my time. 
yeah. Well, he he was an interesting dude. And I got to know Roni a little bit because he was one of those guys who worked out with Frank Matrosano uh, and the summer workouts in the Bay Area that I know we've talked about before. So, um, you know, and he's just always had a bunch of different things going on. He's actually working with the NBA now overseas. He's he's uh, going around as, a, as an ambassador and working in Europe. And, um, you know, but he just had so many different things going on. Didn't and he have an internship with Target or something? He did. While he was he here? did do some kind of an internship. Yeah. You're right. I mean, so you know, it, it, and you know, who else is really interesting is Gorgie. Gorgie's had sure. some things going on, and I know Gorgie's started up a business, and I know he sought advice from Glenn Taylor about it, and Glenn kind of helped guide him, and now he's mm. got a business that he's running. So, I mean, everybody's got their own little different things that they bring to the table. Um, the the one thing I will say is, you know, a, a lot of the guys. That, I, I mean. I'm on my eighth season. I'm going to guess that I've probably seen darn near 100 players wear a Timberwolves uniform in the time that I've been here. Considering um, the roster turnovers, at you, least. You know, so, um, it, but a lot a lot of those guys weren't here long enough to really build relationships with. Yeah. And then there were some guys that, you know, I did get to know a little bit better, but at the same time, I always kind of feel like I, I, I you know, I don't want to really be someone that is butting into their life. You know what I mean? Totally. Like they got their life. I got my life. And most of these guys at this point, I mean, shoot, I just turned 50 years old, you know, (laughs) at this point, most of these guys, you know, are, are half my age and they've got other things that they're, they're in a different place in their life than I am. You know, I I think, um, for me and actually kind of for the, I think maybe the age reason, uh, I think Derek Rose was one of the most interesting people I ever have had the chance to interact with. And, it, it was, I mean, bizarre for me. I think Derek's a year older than me. So, I, I mean, I'm like 18, 19 years old, and Derek Rose is whatever, taking over at Memphis, and then he's in the league. And, I, you know, I'm just a, a kid in college who's a, a fan of basketball, and there's this, you know, superhuman athlete winning MVPs when he's 21, 22 years old. And so you kind of – I very much had a image or idea of who – you know, that, that person was, and I, I put him on a pedestal and assumed he kind of lived on a pedestal. And then for uh, about a year and a half of, you know, covering him, I was just shocked at how much of a normal person he was. Right. And, and you know, always having his kids around and just Derek was great. Uh, you know, Derek, uh, uh, Derek was interesting as heck and he was really great. And he, you know, had some great conversations. I actually, talked to Derek about, I had read, there was a, an article about him coming off of his MVP year in Sports Illustrated. Um, and I think we've mentioned this on there, but, um, you know, he, he had gone overseas. Was I, I don't know if he was in Thailand or where he was, but, you know, he, he was at some awesome, you know, six star resort and had, you know, the Buku room and was on this amazing vacation. And he looked out and he saw this giant yacht like anchored just in the, you know, lagoon right by the hotel. And he was like, and he was like, you know, everybody's always got fear of missing out. Right. And it's like, <laughs> hey, no matter where you are in your life. And Derek's like, wow, that person's like, they're, they're, they're winning. <laughs> you, you know, like hey, here I am coming off an MVP. Yeah. I got a ton of money. I got a great endorsement deal. I'm in this great place in Thailand. And these people with this yacht are right, winning. Right. And he inquired about whose yacht it was. And it belonged to you too. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, they, I mean, and, but, 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 probably uh, right. they're winning. But, but I asked Derek about that story cause I had read it and he was great. He talked to me about it and we had a good laugh and you know, um, so Derek was really open about a lot of things and, uh, I, I really enjoyed covering Derek. It, it's just cool 
when there is that uh, it's it's different. I don't know if it's fifty percent of the guys or whatever it might be that, but some of them, as a journalist, they they treat you like a person, and some of them treat you like a microphone. And I don't I, I don't I don't hold any begrudgment for them treating me like a microphone too. Just selfishly, it's it's cool when when you end up you know getting to know someone. Even Jared Bayless last year, like just little conversations of you like, oh man, you're just a right. a normal guy. Right. And you know who else was great like that was Jamal Crawford. Totally. Jamal yeah. Crawford actually um he hit a midcourt shot, I think it was in New Orleans uh, in in an early season game when he when he was here. And uh Jim and I had seen him hit so many of those end of quarter shots against against the Wolves. The wolves. <laughs> so Jim and I went crazy because he had hit one. We're like, oh, he finally did it for us, you know? And and Jamal came up to us the next game and came up to Jim and I and was like, oh, man, I loved your guys' call. That was so great. And it was like just yeah. a breath of fresh air. He was the uh, he was the king of just um, being a normal person and not no different switch turned on in his brain right. of the cameras or the microphone is on in front of me. But I also get the flip side of it, man, because totally. you know I, what? Yeah, yeah. All it takes is one one person in media to burn you totally. and you're scarred for no matter how great somebody, somebody seems, you've got to have your guard up, man. There's too much to lose. A- absolutely. And I, I think, and I've said this on the pod before too, the way that Andrew has navigated that is a shocking testament to like the the thick skin you know he has because never once have i i mean tons and tons of interview scrum situations never once have i seen him be mad at all at any question any anything or give he's never not given anyone the time of day he's not maybe not the best quote in the world but he's He's never, ever been cruel. And he has to, and he knows for a fact that every one of us have written or talked about the shortcomings of his game. Sure. That he might not necessarily believe in, but he just Stays rolls with it. even keeled. But, it, you know, in some ways, the fact that he hasn't been a good quote has probably served him well because yeah. people— Maybe that's his way he, of— <laughs> he's, not, he's not one of the first people that gets requested for interviews because people just feel like, yeah, yeah I'm just— kind of spinning my wheels talking to Andrew because I'm probably not going to get a good quote out of it. I will say I was listening to him after shoot around the other day and I was, and, and the thought dawned on me that, you know, I think he has gotten appreciably better. If yeah. I mean, you pull out, if, if you were to go out and pull out some of his interviews from his first two years versus what, you know, he's given you now, he, he's gotten a lot better. I don't know that he's necessarily saying anything more substantive, a uh, substantial, what's the word I'm looking for? St- substantial. Substantial. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, okay. Thank Substantive. You. St- that's what I was there looking for. So, um, I, I don't know that he's saying anything more substantive. I can't even say that word. <laughs> I do not talk for a living. Um, anyway, I, I'll stay away from that word. But he um, he has gotten better at saying a lot without saying anything, which is kind of what the game is. It's yeah. it's and, and I always say because I mean, to Derek Rose, the other side of it, remember, he got he oh, got that ripped. interview after the 50 point game. Oh, oh no, no, no. I'm talking about after Tibbs was fired. OK. And, and he came in with no filter and was. Right. Talking the way he talks to his friends. Right. With and then he got ripped off up for that, you know. Right. Right. Whereas Andrew literally came in right after Derek to the scrum and 
you know, did his Andrews thing and, you know, kind of non-answers. But, right. um, yeah, so we probably selfishly want more from them than it makes sense for them to give. The one thing I, I will say, again, going back to my covering lots of sports, one of the best I, I, I remember um, at handling the media was Jeff Gordon. Uh, Jeff Gordon, because I covered a little bit in NASCAR. I worked in Indy for a year <laughs> and a half. Of course you did. Of course I did. Um, and uh, I, saw, I saw I covered a few races. And, and Jeff Gordon, it, whether he won, whether he ran out of fuel on the last lap, whether he crashed on lap three and his race was over, at the end of the race, he was he came out to the back of his hauler and he gave you five minutes. He didn't make you wait. He gave you his five minutes and he got out of there. <laughs> and it's like, that's all the P that's all. Just, you know, go, go, yeah. go give them what they need. The, and I, but I've seen other people and in every sport that will go and hide, they'll go hide in the trainer's room. They'll go. Cause they don't want to go just, just go get it over with. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't want to say anything, don't say anything, but it's like, just go get it over with. Cause you're just going to make it worse by avoiding it. Yep. Absolutely. There's definitely, there's definitely some of that last year. In oh, the, yeah. the Timberwolves of the trying to wait them out sort of sort of deal. Um, before we wrap up, just let's just talk about this weekend. I think it's a. Um, I mean, now it's the Wolves are four and three. It's not the three and zero oh anymore. It's not the four and one. It's the four and three. So you go into this weekend, Golden State and Denver, with you know something on the line. You want to you want to stay over five hundred, right? And I think and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, we're kind of chalking up Golden State as a win, and it absolutely should be, particularly at home. But if somehow you drop that, and the Denver's going to be a hell of an opponent on Sunday, given you know what they bring. So it's uh, it feels like a big weekend to me of, you know, you know prove, prove that these teams, that the Kendrick Perkins shouldn't be sleeping on you. Like it, it's, it's going to be, that's going to happen all year. You're going to, they're going to need to continue to push the envelope. It's going to be exceedingly difficult to do in the Western conference. And you know, here you go. This is your first back to back against, um, against Western conference teams time to like put up or shut up. Right. Uh, it, it, they've got to win this game on Friday. They've got to win this game on Friday. I mean, you're getting golden state in here at this point. You know, nobody from Golden State is going to say it, but are they? Do they really even want to win games at this point? It's yeah. like you know, and and I was talking to somebody about this just earlier today. It's like, you know, the Warriors will probably, you know, they're probably not going to finish with a very good record. They'll probably get lucky and be in the top five in the lottery, <laughs> and uh, they'll get a great pick, and then they get Stephen Clay back, and all of a sudden they're really good again in a big hurry. You know, and right. it's uh, but you, you know the no Draymond for sure. This weekend, no and Steph then, for sure. No well, yeah, Clay, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, definitely no Steph and no Clay. But Draymond is also missing their entire road trip. Right, and then uh, as of we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, we'll learn more tomorrow at shoot around. But D'Angelo Russell also didn't play their last game, um, and I would assume he kind of is coming in with the day to day questionable status uh, entering that game. I mean. Without it's, it's, without it's, him, it's a game, and especially you know you're hoping Teague, Teague's back. I don't know what Shabazz's situation is going to be, um, but hamstrings it, are tricky. It, if the if the Timberwolves are are healthy, um, you know, or even just with the lineup they had last night, I mean, you've got to think that they're in their home. 
you got to think they're favored against Golden State. Denver's going to be another story, man. Denver is uh, Denver's going to be tough. Denver is going to be tough, and then you got the back to back going to to Detroit. Um, so the the schedule definitely gets tougher now. We're definitely going to start finding out what this team is made of. I mean, some of the, I don't want to discount the wins they had, you know, winning at Brooklyn on opening night. I know KD didn't play, but KD was in the house and he got introduced and the place went nuts and you were there, you saw it. And Kyrie had 50 and there were a lot of reasons why they could have lost that game. And then you go to Charlotte and you're down 15 before you can blink and Charlotte's not very good, but now all of a sudden, you know, their fan base is fired up and you're kind of like, geez, you know. But then they, they come back. So, you know, there were some good wins, but th- there's no question. This this schedule, it, now we're really going to start finding out what this team is made of. I think the uh, the, the Philly and Milwaukee games. I mean, those are two teams that are probably going to be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know? Yeah, and there is- that's what I'm saying. And I, I think, for me, I'm differentiating. Like, those are just losses. Particularly, you're on the road against Philly. Your size doesn't match up well at all. To me, that was like an obvious loss. And then Milwaukee you don't have without towns. Cat, yeah. that's an obvious loss. This Denver game is different. Denver is an upper echelon team as well. But to me, that's a game you can win. Right. That's like, a, I mean, uh, and I'm talking like close to 50-50, like if we're, if we're putting odds on it, because they're not as good as Philly. And now you're at home. You got Cat back. I mean, I would assume everyone, save Napier, will will play in that game. Like, that's a game you can win. And if you want to you want to say, I, actually, we're in this playoff hunt. Like, Golden State fell out of it. Some teams people thought were they were on early New Orleans, Sacramento, who were picked ahead of the Wolves. Like, you know, winning a Denver game like that says, yeah, we're here. Well, and I mean, look at, you know, Phoenix beats Philly. You know, you gotta you yeah, gotta right. have some of those wins. You know, you gotta have some of those wins. And like you said, they, 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 there's no reason at all that the Timberwolves shouldn't be able to beat the Nuggets. So uh, I, I think that you know, and that's a division, a team in your division. So and hopefully you're coming off of a win, uh, coming off of a win on Friday, and you're feeling good. And um, you know, I hate the afternoon tip though, man. There's yeah. a lot of afternoon tips this year, with uh, a lot hey, of afternoon games at Target Center. And I, I, I disagree. I'm all about it. You're all, well, you know, um, it's then, just, then you go, then you can write after the game. You, like but, I will but, be able to write something after that game and be home in time to watch Sunday night football. Sure, and that's fine. And uh, but at the same time, it just so throws off your routine, you know. And I can't even imagine how a player feels because yeah. it's like as a as a broadcast. I have a routine. There's a there's a rhythm that goes to the season and how you prepare for a game. And um, you know, a, a two thirty tip. I mean, that means the coaches are going to be talking at twelve forty five, which means you know I got to instead of leaving my house at four, I'm now I'm leaving my house at eleven thirty. And it's just it's just you know it just changes everything. But I'll be uh, you know first but world problems, first world problems, but more of a problem for Denver than it is for Minnesota. Sure. Minnesota you're sleeping in your own bed on Saturday night. You got they'll practice Saturday. I mean they 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 yeah. can be there up and ready right, for that right, Sunday right. game. I mean Denver that's it's well, harder for them. And it's not like these guys didn't play day games in college. I mean, they played day sure. games all the time in college. So. It is It is a routine breaker. It's weird. It, there is a, even for us, just like sitting here like, this is where they're, they're serving us brunch instead of, right. you know, what it, it's all, it, it is all different, but it's, um, this weekend, like, for me, I've been excited with how the season has started, but I can't help going through the games and as you just kind of did like and poking some holes in those wins of Miami no Butler you know yeah. the the Kyrie experience in Brooklyn like the Miami game and the Brooklyn game are the best wins of the year right 
but it's pretty easy to poke holes in those because Miami's on the back of a back-to-back. They played overtime. They don't have Butler. They don't have Waiters. They don't have Derek Jones Jr. They don't have James Johnson. Right. You know, and so it's, and Brooklyn was just awkward. They were they were adjusting to what sure. Kyrie. That was clear. And hey, you know what? Though I give Ryan a lot of credit because yeah. you know their their attitude was, you know what? If Kyrie scores seventy, and that's sure. what it takes for the Nets to win, so be it. But we're not going to let anybody else beat us. Right. And you know, they, and I'm not trying to take anything away from it, from them winning those games. I'm just you're just being a real a realist. Sure. That that's that's all I'm saying. So, point being, we have the game against Golden State. You lose that game. Now I'm really questioning some stuff. And and if you and if you lose to Golden State and then you lose to Denver on Sunday, and then you got to go to back to back. I mean, you, you'd it's like get to harder. see you'd like to see a way to win two out of the next three. I mean, you know, obviously yeah. you'd love to see him go three and zero. Oh. But you know, I will say, you know, what was cool was being in D.C. for the um, for the the yeah. Nationals parade um, and listening to listening to their team. And I should know. Um, Dave, what's their manager's name? Do you know the Dave? Uh, oh, yeah. I know it's Dave something. Dave, whatever. Well, Dave any, anyway, no, I should know it. And people are like, come on, I'll get you not know the name of the Nationals manager. Anyway, I didn't watch a ton of Nationals baseball, but um, it's going to kill me. Uh, anyway. My computer's going to die. I can't look it up. Yeah. So, um, all right. I got to know. But anyway, <laughs> he, you know, his, his philosophy was um, go one and oh. You know, mm-hmm. go one and zero. That's what they were all talking about at their at their celebration. You know, he just said, "Go one and zero," and because they had started off the year in a really bad spot, they they were they had a I think they were like, oh, he was saying that during the regular season. Yeah, yeah, that was what turned their season around. Was he just said, you know, today we need Dave Martinez. We need to yeah, go. Yeah. We need to go one and zero today. We need to go one and zero. So you know what? They need to go one and zero on Friday, and they need to go one and zero on Sunday, <laughs> and they need to go one and zero on Monday. Yeah. And if you collect enough one and zeros at the end of the season, you're going to be in good shape. Hey, I'm saying it's possible. It, it is. It's this team is not. This team is, is. They're not at a massive talent deficit when they go up against anyone. Even Denver. I was, ta- I was getting lunch with a friend before this, and we're going down the list, and it's like, okay, you got Jokic and Towns, like. That there's no clear winner in that. That that's a push. Like go, Denver is, Denver's rest of their guys are like just slightly better versions than than all the other wolves. And honestly, the number two on the wolves, I'll take Covington over over Millsap. I think there's similarities between Murray and Wiggins with at least the way Wiggins is playing now. Right. You know, it's not like Murray is a a beacon for efficiency himself. Like, keep in mind that Denver in the wolves. Not that long ago, we're in the exact same spot. They're playing in that game right. 82. Like, yes. yeah. they, they've implemented a better culture and a better system, and it boosted them to having an excellent year last year. That's just that's just what happened. Do they have a little bit more talent in the aggregate, a little bit better of a bench than the Wolves? Sure. But there, there is not a reason to be going into that game, particularly at home, and saying this team's a lot better than us. Like, no way. That is a that is a winnable game. They the Wolves can do that. And if they're real this year, they will. Agreed. Agreed. All right. That's Dave Benz. Um, Obviously, you hear his voice on every one of these Timberwolves broadcasts with uh, Jim Peterson. Uh, Thank you guys. Give me a shout out last night on the broadcast. Thank you for that. Um, And I don't know. We'll have you back in here sometime soon with the the semi-regular Dave Benz. Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing it. I don't know. I'm guessing we've been going about once a month. I'm cool with that if you guys want to have me back. So we'd love to have you back. It's it's about, you know, the the crazy Dave Dave Benz life schedule. We've (laughs) got to work around that. Appreciate you filling in for Charlie. Uh, He normally does Thursdays with me, but um, he is uh, on vacation this week. All good. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Again, Dave at Tweet Dave Benz on Twitter. I think you just 
took a picture of me on Instagram. So you can I didn't that. put it up yet, but it's at uh, <laughs> it's at Dave Ben's uh, underscore PXP. Oh, or is there, is there an underscore? I don't know. You know what I did? Okay. I, oh, this is probably too much. I, I separated out my my personal Instagram and my- oh, We I talked now about have a, this before. Yeah. Because okay. I just, you know, I just, um, I don't know that I, I, I don't know that I need, you know, casual Timberwolves fancy and pictures of my son, you know, that's but it's, so it's, uh, it's a, hey, that's part of you know, social media as we're learning this year. That's a part of, uh, yeah. Not, you know, can, uh, I, I, so <laughs> yeah. it's like I, I, but you know, but so I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to serve two masters, but I think it's, uh, at Dave Bench PXP is the, right. uh, is the Instagram. Cool. Well, thank you, Dave. Appreciate you coming in and doing this after getting in late last night. All so, right. Thanks, thanks, man. All right. Uh, until next time, I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.